You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show... Please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today. Um, first of all, I do apologize for the long absence. I had no intention of uh, the absence being quite that long. Honestly, I was I brought the laptop on our little mini vacation, and um, I was going to do like a, a urgent I was going to do a podcast and then there was all the news about like, we're going to hire Christian Parker. It's going to be a thing. And I'm like, well, let's just wait until it's official. And then it wasn't official. And I was like, all right, well, I'll do it tomorrow because they'll probably announce it tomorrow morning. And then, so that would have been like Saturday. And I waited and I waited and there was nothing. And then Sunday was the games and I was like, I don't know. Well, and then it got worse. So my daughter, my youngest actually got a bad stomach flu on Friday night on vacation. The rest of the family basically got it on Sunday. My son got it early in the morning, then my daughter got it in the afternoon, and then I got it later that night. And I was, for a portion there alone, taking care of two sick kids with the stomach flu. And so, um, yeah, Sunday I was completely out of commission. Monday, the uh, stomach flu portion of it was gone, but my body was just so completely drained I could barely do anything but sleep. And so Tuesday we're feeling a little bit better. And I got to be honest, I am so happy to be back. I mean, there are times when it's like, man, I really just want a day off from doing this podcast every single day. But you take three, four, however many days off, and it's like, I want this so bad. <laughs> I missed my office. Missed my computer. Oh, so good to be back. So um, with that said, everything looks to be set up. Let's get started with Pac-Man Jersey Jim. By the way, we're going all the way back to, it doesn't even say the day anymore, so it must be Monday because we're over a week behind. So... Pac-Man Jersey Jim. I'm hoping we get over these calls of, like, I'm so sad that we lost because that was such a long time ago, but there are a lot of them. Hey, Ryan. Pac-Man Jersey Jim. Hey. Uh, watching this Motor City Kitties game here. I, I can't believe Tampa Bay went for two. I, I know it's like a, a probability thing, and a, I don't know about your thoughts about Chris Collinsworth, but I'm really sick of this guy. I'm tired of hearing his well, you know, let me tell you what I think kind of thing and all this jazz. I, I think they're just like letting them walk into the playoffs right now because now if, if they have to, if, 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 if they have a chance to at least get another touchdown out of this with like a minute 30 left or something, what are the probability that? Anyway, I'll talk to you later. Go back up. Be honest, man. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. 
what happened in a game that happened a long time. I don't know. Chris Collinsworth, yeah. I, most of the announcers I, I have no real affinity for anymore. I probably should. Some of these guys have been around a long time, deserving of some level of respect. I just I feel like there's no energy. You know, I mean, every time you listen to like a Japanese or a French or any other kind of certainly like Mexico or Brazil, like their announcers are just geeked out of their mind. They're screaming. These guys can barely muster enough strength to like elevate their voices. And then everything they say is nonsense. They're wrong about everything. They don't know what they're talking about. It's just, it's painful to listen to. It's like, I don't know how you can be so bad at your jobs. You know, and you think, well, it's got to be kind of a tough job to do. And it's like, I understand that. But you look at football players, for example, and you look at how uniquely talented and gifted that they are to be able to do the kinds of unbelievable things that these people can do. And granted, it's a small percentage of the population that can do these really difficult things. Announcing of that difficult thing is significantly less difficult. You're telling me there are no human beings on planet Earth that can do a good job, that can just say the right freaking things that... how many times do we have to hear people call in and be like, I got to mute the TV because they're, they're so freaking... Nobody likes them. Nobody likes them. It's not just Packer fans. It's every fan base in the world is just screaming, shut your stupid mouth, you moron. The formula that they use to find these people is wrong. Certainly former football players is not the way to go. Former coaches doesn't seem to be the way to go. And then just like broadcast people in general, whatever it is we're teaching people in, in this sports broadcasting realm, it's wrong and it sucks. We need to start importing from other countries or something because it's freaking pathetic that there is not a single person that broadcasts football games that I actually want to listen to. Hey, Ryan. Pac-Man Jersey, Jim. Uh, Sitting here watching this Chiefs-Bills game here. And uh, some old memories came back last night. You had Tyler Bass just hit a field goal from God knows from where in 90-mile-per-hour winds. Thing barely, barely made it. And it made me think about how Anders Carlson couldn't kick one through Michael Strahan's teeth. Didn't he have literally a game-losing missed field goal, Tyler Bass? Or am I thinking of somebody else? I'm, I'm almost positive that he missed a field goal that lost them the game. I'm still pretty butthurt about this. Um, I'll give you a call a little later. Take it easy, go pack go. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, again, the kicker thing, I, I just, I don't know. It, it really does not bother me that much. It's one missed kick. It happens constantly. And like if, if and I understand that this has to do like with what happened in the past, but the way it's being talked about as though one missed kiss, kick is some kind of an egregious thing, when in reality it's not. And, and there is not a single kicker on planet Earth that you can get that you know with 100% certainty is going to make that field goal. It's just not a thing. I know... You got the guy out in Baltimore who's just clutch, but there's a reason he has the reputation he has, and he's been in the league for like 500 years. If he was easily replaced, he would have been replaced. He's not replaced because nobody can do what that guy does. So one missed kick. I mean, if, if the standard is you cannot miss a kick, um, it's just we, we're never going to win football games. So again, I understand that a lot of this has to do with like his issues in the past, but we're spending way too much time talking about one missed kick, especially in a game where we blocked one of their kicks, so it really just balanced it out, especially in a game where we had Jordan Love throw an egregious pick, where we had other completely missed opportunities by bad passes from Jordan Love. He threw two picks in the game, which is accounts for way more points than three, 
We had two dropped interceptions. One of them was a pick six, which accounts for way more points than three. I, 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 to some degree, understand the level of frustration, but the proportionality is way out of, way out of control, in my opinion. Hey, Ryan. What's up? What's up? So, I'm trying my best to start looking to the next season, to the off season. you know, what the Packers can do, how they can improve, and trying to forget what just happened yesterday. So, I was looking at Ken Eagles, um, Twitter account. If anybody doesn't know it, doesn't follow it, I highly recommend. He, he does a lot of Packers cap, um, tweets and studies. And looking there, we, we all kind of in a not really great cap situation, but we have some move that we can do. And Bakhtiari needs to leave. Um, I don't know if we can trade him, but if we don't, I, I, I will, I would cut him. As sad as that, that is. We might need to restructure some contracts, like Kenny and Jones. Um, I would probably try to trade Preston if it, if there wasn't a great trade option, I would restructure him as well. But my point is, we have some moves and I'm pretty sure that the Packers are going to do all the best moves because they are great at that. And I think we can have some cap room to sign some pretty good free agents. It's not like the Packers to sign big name free agents. And, but I, I think that that might happen and, you know, I was trying to think about it, trying to make me get excited. And I think that two big free agents on the offensive side of the ball this year are Derrick Henry. I already talked about that. I'm I'm leading the team that's saying that Derrick Henry will change this offense and make it even better. Um, uh, I think that that's the number one priority, priority in the offense. And the second one I would look is Mike Evans. He might want a really big contract, so we might don't have that cap room. But I think that having that type of receiver, uh, a guy to when things are going south, you can throw. It's reliable. It's playmaker. I think that might fit well with the Packers. So, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So I think it kind of depends a little bit. Um, I'm not opposed necessarily to to any of those things. It kind of just depends what our options truly are. I know Gutekunst likes to get, for example, and I fully agree with this, if at all possible, grab the guy that's coming off his first contract. He's he's 25, 26 years old, um, and he's going to give you a solid four or five years of really good play, and you're going to get him cheap because, you know, I mean, if he was... I mean, relatively cheap. You know, again, you look at Zadarius for $17 million or whatever, we got considerably more value than what we paid him. And I thought we overpaid the guy. I was like, this is a backup Ravens freaking edge rusher. Like, why? This is absurd. And um, ended up being a great signing. Um, you know, Amos and, and Preston, all those guys were 26 years old. And um, However, I think there's a case to be made for short-term contracts. Um, and I think that's for both of those guys, I would want it to be a very short term contract and and they would have to be willing to do that. If they're willing to do, for example, a one year deal, and this, this assumes that, 
you know, because you look at it and say, well, why, you know, you don't want to go all in, you want to build for the future and all that. I understand. And I want to do that through the draft. And if there are options like that through free agency, then I would be willing to consider that. But let's just say that there really aren't a lot of good options. I understand it's not all or nothing. That's true. But at the same time, if we have the resources to be able to give ourselves an edge this year that have no ramifications in the future, then why not do it? You know, again, I don't know if Derrick Henry or Mike Evans would be willing to take a one-year deal. But if they were, I would be willing to jump on that because they're going to be able to elevate what we can do this year. And then, um, you know, again, next year, as we continue to build and hopefully backfill that where we don't need to go get a Mike Evans or or a Derrick Henry because we've satisfied that in the draft, um, which would be, you know, I mean, if you feel you need a Mike Evans, then you better be drafting a Mike Evans. If we don't need to draft a Mike Evans, then you shouldn't be paying a Mike Evans. Same with, De- with Derrick Henry. If you feel like it's that important to get one, you better be drafting one. And if you're not willing to draft one, then you shouldn't be paying one. So, yeah, let, let's just use Mike Evans as an example. If, if this offense can't function without a Mike Evans, and that's really going to elevate the team that much, then we should be, and there are a lot of Mike Evans types guys in this, you know, big type of receivers. Um, obviously, no idea if they can produce to that degree, but if you feel we need that, draft them and then potentially pay for my, now, again, the, the, the complication with that is you're going to end up benching your Mike Evans so that you can play your Mike Evans, which kind of defeats the purpose, but it, it's, I'm not giving him a four-year contract. I don't even know if he's going to be worth anything this year. He might be washed. And he's certainly not going to be worth the money that he's going to be paid later on. But what I guess what I'm saying is I, I think that you can make a case for, you know, short-term, especially one-year contracts that have no negative ramifications in the future that can help to elevate your team this year. But I also don't want it to, to you know, some some other negative adverse effects is... First of all, playing a guy like Mike Evans because you paid him, and really he's not even as good as the guys we have. You know, do we want Aaron Jones taking a back seat and Christian Watson and the rest of these guys taking a back seat because of the amount of money we dished out and really they're not even worth it? And then stunting their development on top of it. These are, I guess, kind of the things I'm worried about. But again, throwing all those negative variables aside, let's just assume it's automatically going to make us more likely to win a Super Bowl. Fine, let's do it. On a short-term contract, because they're old guys, they're getting up to that age where they're not going to be useful for very much longer. That hill is coming at some point if it hasn't already hit. But yeah, I mean, the, the scenario I laid out is probably not going to happen because again, if, if they drafted him, they're not going to, they're not going to get the guy. So, you know, maybe if anything, it'll be a situation where they didn't draft any running backs they wanted to, but maybe it just didn't work out that way. And so we're just going to grab Derrick Henry for a year. Let it be Derrick and AJ and uh, Aaron Jones just for the one year. But then we're kind of screwed after this year because Aaron Jones is probably gone after next year. Derrick Henry will be gone after next year unless we decide to pay one of these guys way too much money again. And now we're sitting with maybe AJ Dillon unless he's gone too. I don't know. I, 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 I think you can make a case for it. I'm having a hard time making a specific case for this specific scenario because I, I just, especially running back, we need to draft a running back. Like we, we, We've got two guys that might not be here very much longer. And grabbing another guy that's not going to be here very much longer doesn't fix our problems. Wide receiver, maybe. But again, we, we've got so many guys that need the opportunity to play unless we acknowledge we don't have the guys. In which case, we are officially saying we don't have the guys, which means Wicks is not good enough. And so we've got, let's say, Watson and Reed and everybody else is kind of eh. Because I'm sorry, like if I've got Mike Evans and Christian Watson and Reed and they're healthy, those are the three I want on the field basically all the time. I don't want Wicks out there. I don't want Dobbs out there. 
I don't want Bo Melton out there, aside from a little bit of a breather. But I mean, it's just, that's it. That's our crew. And I just don't know that the Packers are in a position to say that. Now, some other positions, sure. You know, you look at, for example, defensive line. First of all, high rotation anyways. So you go get like a one-year deal for a stud defensive tackle or, or, or whatever. Even if you want to draft, whether you do or don't draft a guy, again, there's, there's such a rotation there. It's not going to hurt anything. You know, maybe offensive line, depending on what we end up doing, especially with the versatility that you have there. If you got a guy that you know is going to be, for example, a stud uh, guard, let's say he's a guard slash tackle. Well, you can put him out there at attack. You could say he can be a starting tackle, but let's say we, we've got that covered. We like Rashid and Zach Tom. Okay, bump him into guard. Worst case scenario, it's like, well, we drafted a guard who's really good and we've got Elton Jenkins. It's like, fine, put Elton Jenkins at center then. Elton Jenkins could be a center. This guy and rookie can be guards. And boom, we got a freaking offensive line now. I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely uh, complicated. And I think no matter what, there are potential negatives. But I guess I just wanted to get the point across that I'm not always just anti-old expensive guys, even though that's kind of how I come across. And I think generally that's true. I, I do think not everything has to be about the future, that there is an element of win now. I just don't like doing it at the expense of the future, which is why, again, I like short-term deals, which never used to be a thing, but it seems like it's becoming more of a thing now. Players are more willing to do that kind of stuff, especially if maybe they didn't have the best possible year and the market isn't what they want it to be. If they think they can be put in a good situation, like Derrick Henry in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur and the whole thing, and he genuinely feels like, you know, I can make that work, maybe he'd be willing to do the one-year thing to kind of reset his own market, et cetera, et cetera. But who knows? Hey, Ryan. Hey. It's Joe, the janitor. What's up, Joe? From Connecticut. The janitor from Connecticut. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Well, Monday morning, um, I figured I'd uh, give it a... A day, sleep on that loss. Um, I gotta say, I am upset, but I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of how far we came. We're never supposed to beat the Cowboys, let alone keep up with the 49ers. Um, uh, neither team played their best game on Saturday, but the Niners um, made less mistakes, I believe, and that's why they won. Um, we got a young team, and mistakes are going to be made. Uh, minus the spots. There's some bad spots in that, and I believe that could have swung the uh, momentum of the game a little bit, too, um, especially that uh, tush-push when we were, we were in their yeah, territory, you know. I feel like we had a good chance to score there and at least get three. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's hard to get three points if you're the Packers because um, <laughs> our kicker just can't seem to come through when we need them. Um, oh, it was funny. Like I've, I've said, my brother's a Niners fan, so I was watching the game with him, first half at least, and um, when our kicker went for that first field goal, I'm like, well, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses it. Uh, he made the first field goal. But my brother was surprised to hear that. He's like, really? He's like, we got the worst kicker in the league. I'm like, well, that's, uh, you know, an argument for another day. But his kicker also shanked one. So, um, I mean, if they both made their field goals, the score would have been even. It been the same as it is just to have three points each. So, um, no, I don't feel like he missing the kick wasn't why we lost the game, but you know, when a ball hits you in the hands, um, 
Darnell Savage, I mean, your safety, you should be able to catch the ball. Um, who else? I think Campbell missed one too in the end zone or something. I don't know. A couple balls that touched the hands that people just can't pull in. But, uh, defense played pretty well. Um, you know, exciting thing is that hopefully we'll be looking for a new defense coordinator. Thanks, Joe Barry. Last couple games were pretty decent, but, um, it's time to move on. Doesn't matter how good you did at the end of the year. Same thing happened last year. Time to move on. But, Overall proud, and I will call back. Shalom. Can't wait until we get to that, finally. Um, you know, it, it is funny that everybody always thinks that they have it the worst, and in, in either case, neither team has it the worst. If you look at field goal, for per, field goal percentage out of 35 kickers, Andres Carlson ranks 22nd, which is to say 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 kickers had a worse field goal percentage than Andres Carlson. The 49ers kicker ranked 30th. So Andres Carlson made 82. Uh, yeah, 82.5% of his field goals. Jake Moody, the 49ers kicker, made 77%. Tyler Bass, who somebody called in and was kind of raving about, um, he ranked 31st, 75.7%. Then you have Brett Maher, 75% Graham Gano for the Giants, less than 74%. Matt Amendola with Houston, he only played five games, but still 66.7%. And then the Patriots kicker, who played in 18 games, had a 64% field goal rate. Now, the case against um, Honors Carlson isn't field goals, it's extra points. Field goals, he's closer to middle of the pack. Extra points, he made 83.9%, which is the worst in the entire league. Um, he made 33 of 40. And then the funny thing is, you know, he has a a uh, reputation for, like, missing the easy ones, which is true when it comes to extra points. But as I look at it now, between 20 and 29 yards, he is um, 100%. So he's tied for number one. He has not missed a single field goal in that range. He is 8 of 8. You say, okay, but what about the 30-yard range? Well, he is 14 of 14. I'm not even kidding you. He is, this is regular season and postseason. He has made 100% of his kicks 39 yards or less. It's in the longer kicks where he drops to uh, 30th, where he has made 54.5% of his kicks in the 40-yard range. Um and then he's right back up to 14th with the fifth. So it's just, he's 6 out of 11 between 40 and 49, and that's where he is at his worst. He's 5 of 7 in the 50-yard range, which again is tied for 14th. And he is 100% between 20 and 39 yards. So extra points, which, I mean, let's be completely freaking honest. I, I have to assume that there is reason to believe that that can be improved upon, especially for a guy that is 100% between 20 and 39. And that's the thing. Extra points are what? Between the 20 and 29-yard mark, but when it's a field goal, he's never missed one? Something is broken with that freaking operation or something. I don't know what's going on. But 20-yarders, 30-yarders, and 50-yarders, there's no issue. 40-yarders and extra points, issue. So were there a lot of annoying things? Yes, but it was almost entirely the extra points that were annoying. And I think all of us just completely misremembered everything about Anders Carlson outside of that. Even I'm sitting here like, I got to check this again. Like, it did. Anders Carlson, like, this is 2023. It has to be because he's a rookie. Um, Okay. <laughs> 20 to 29, 8 of 8. 30 to 39, 14 of 14. 
I, my whole life is a lie. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take our first break? We'll come back and hear from Daniel from California. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Ryan, Dan from California. Voice is still gone, (laughs) but, uh... When we were at the game, right, we were talking uh, with these guys who were sitting next to us, and they were all neutral fans, right? And uh, it was cool. Those guys were super cool. They were like, I don't care who wins. I just want to see exciting things, right? So we go, and they, I, I don't know, remember if they scored a touchdown or kicked a field goal, right? But the 49ers, and uh, it's going to the kick return, right? And it, we're at the TV timeout. And I'm telling to the guys, like, man, they keep kicking it away from uh, Nixon. He's like, ooh, it's like the kick returner. He's an all-pro kick returner. Like, maybe, like, half the time he takes it to the 40 or the other 40. He doesn't really get touchdowns, but he's just, he's just electric, man. And then the guy, the guy goes, I want to see that. And then immediately me and this stranger sitting by his side, who's a neutral fan, we're just jumping up and down. Nixon, you fucking called it, Nixon! Nixon! Right? And then we're like, no! <laughs> well, he fumbled, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for getting that, Wilson. Right? <laughs> but, uh, and then later, I'm like, what? you know, I was like, Watson hasn't been part of the offense too much, but they're going to throw it to Watson. And they hit Watson on the left side of the field. And I just, I, I was following the plays. 
right at towards that third quarter, and then I just settled in and just locked in for the fourth. And Anders missed that kick, and I just knew, you know, you know, I knew that you can't do that and expect to win. I was hoping Jordan would tie it, but I just had a great time, man. You were right. I I don't regret it. I had Good. such a great time. And just celebrating with guys who didn't care about the Niners. And then the one thing is I made the entire crowd around me hate me because <laughs> I was just screaming the whole time. But then once we lost, I got up, I shook everybody's hands, and everybody was super cool about it. Yeah, and cool. they said thank you and all that. So it was cool, man. I was just proud of my team. I you know I'm happy with the season. But... Let's have a great off season. We got all the capital, all the picks, all of it, and we got the team. So I'm ready. That's all I got. Go back, go. That was good, man. I'm glad you had a good time. And, as, you know, as, as much as it was obviously a painful way to end the season, I, I think a lot of us are going to look back fondly and probably already are on, on that season to be able to say, you know, I mean, Think back for Aaron Rodgers, for example. Like, if just to be able to say, like, yeah, I was there and I went to, you know, his game in his first season, like the final game of his first season or something. You know, I mean, it's it's a cool little thing that you can, you know, little little uh, feather in your cap. I was had another thing in my head that I didn't want to say. Another little feather in your cap of a thing that you did that was kind of cool. You know, if Jordan Love turns out to be as good as it looks like he may become. Still up in the air, we don't know. But, I mean, if he's not, then it's still going to be almost like a historic <laughs> rookie season that uh, you got to see a piece of. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think, you know, five years from now, you're going to look back and be like, man, that was stupid. I think that's a, a, a cool experience to be able to have had. Hey, Ryan, one more thing, man. Something that I've been hearing, like these guys talk about the rain. I was there, right? It rained a lot before. But during the game, it was basically a sprinkle, maybe just barely raining, but it wasn't pouring that most of that game. It was pretty light, right? I don't want them to take credit away from our defense and Joe Barry. I've been hard on Joe Barry. I was even hard on Matt LaFleur because of everything that was going on. And I got apologies for all of them, man. After the game, Kyle Shanahan straight up said it. We, you know, we watched the tape. And we were like, wow, this is a very fundamentally sound defense. Like, you know, the stuff that was happening before, like, yeah, that's, you know, teams don't play bad. But right now, this team is looking really good on defense. So I don't want nobody to take credit away from our defense. The rain didn't matter. That 49ers offense isn't as advertised. Our defense, we did it. And just imagine, right, we get a couple more pieces in the draft. I know everybody's going to freak out if we use another first-round pick, but does our offense really need it? Does our offense really need it? I don't know. Uh, how do I fix my voice, Ryan? <laughs> All right, go Pack Go. Yeah, I mean, they were playing some good football down the stretch for sure, and even in that game up until the end. I mean, you know, and, and, and it just it was done. And again, it's hard to put any of that on Joe Barry. I mean, when you got... When you have a defense, first of all, that's starting to somehow jump a bunch of routes and get their hands on these footballs, I have to assume. I mean, sometimes you got good players that can do stuff, but it seemed like Joe Barry had kind of figured something out. And and these guys were starting to jump a bunch because we we don't do that a lot. It really hasn't been like a fundamental piece of what this defense has been doing. Um, I know it sounds stupid because there, there are some defenses like, oh, a critical 
part of what they do is is try to get picks. Like, dude, everybody wants to get picks, but there, there are, there's only so much stuff you can emphasize, and I, I just don't think that that was necessarily Joe Barry's um, primary thing because it's kind of a high-risk play. The fact that they were starting to get a bunch of those, I have to assume, was schematic, and they had two more in this game. Those drops were not on Joe Barry. The missed tackles are not on Joe Barry. I mean, if you're... if All I'm asking for from a guy that's a defensive coordinator, and Joe Barry is not ours anymore, but put our guys in a position to succeed. If you're in a position to succeed and you fail, that's not on him. And down the stretch, at the very least, we saw guys in positions to succeed a lot more than normal, right? I mean, the amount of times that these guys are are jumping up and grabbing footballs out of the air, even even the tackle opportunities. I mean, you're right there. I mean, if you're there to turn that into a one-yard gain and you miss a tackle and then somebody else misses a tackle, turns into a 15-yard run, obviously that's not a Joe Barry problem. But again, my, my issue with Joe down the stretch is is that we've seen this happen before. I mean, it, it's happened. I mean, he he comes, it seems like he's very good at learning and adapting. It just takes him forever, right? I mean, the, the, the postseason, I don't think he's really ever had a collapse. Uh, last year, we saw them tighten up the last four weeks of the season. Um, but it's just, you know, I don't know that it's ever necessarily been, well, I shouldn't even say that. It, it, it got to be very good down the stretch, at least in... Uh, in 2022, I think it was roughly top 10. I don't know. But it, it's such a bad defense for almost the entire regular season. And expecting that to change, I I, I don't know. And it's hard to even trust it. Like if I knew 100,000% that it would never be a bad postseason defense and I trusted my off, uh, offense to be able to carry us through the regular season, you can make an argument. But it's hard to look at and be like, he's really bad, but he just flips a switch at the end of the year. And then he's really good. Like, do, do I trust that that's going to happen? No, I don't. So thank you, Joe Barry, for uh, giving us a fighting chance down the stretch. And I think he's mostly done that every year that he's been here. We've we've had the opportunities at the end of the year, and it was largely the offenses that failed. But overall, I am excited to just find somebody that's a little bit better at that job. Um, that isn't necessarily just as much of a, I think, kind of a regurgitator. You know, somebody that, that really understands how the system works but just in a fundamental level that says, this is what we do. And it's like, okay, cool. Here's the team we have. So how would you adapt it for this team? It's like, oh, I'm not adapting Jack Squad, bro. Like, this is just what we do here. <laughs> like, okay. Plus, the, the other problem is the defense also, and I'm, I'm not saying I know Matt LaFleur did it, but the defense turned around after Matt LaFleur said, I need to start getting more involved. All of a sudden, they got a lot better. Maybe that was just an accountability thing because Joe Barry was sleeping in his office a lot. And now that Matt LaFleur is like, all right, let's get to work. He's like, freaking fine. Ugh trying to play call of duty bro <laughs> i don't know what's going on hey ryan it's me Bizzle, the redhead from brazil what's up, man? so i was just listening to the the pod today um just so everybody knows today's monday <laughs> yeah, and i saw that you touched a lot of the points that i called about yesterday so <laughs> kind of went a little you, you were a little faster than me, so there's that. But I, I want to take some points that you mentioned on, on your part. So, first of all, John, jo, Jordan Love's contract. I believe that the Packers are going to offer him two options, a little bit, a little bit more money in the house of the, the $50 million, but not fully guaranteed with some plenty money in the middle mm-hmm. or something like 45 yeah. 40-ish million and fully guaranteed. I think that these are two pretty good options for Julian Love and for the Packers, so there's that. 
about the free agents and some moves that we can make. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's normal throughout. I, one of the things that I'm concerned about is um, I wonder if some of these players kind of get railroaded by their their agents. I would hope that they're not, but you kind of wonder a little bit because we we hear all the time about how the agents love how much their ego gets inflated and how much probably extra business it does when you, when you get like that next big contract. So Jordan loves agent is going to look a lot better if they reset the market quote unquote, right? Even if it's not necessarily an actual real money, um, better than, you know, like, like you said, like 45 or even like 42, but fully guaranteed or something, you know, it might even be less than that in terms of real money. You know, obviously there's, there's a, there's a gap in there of potential money, but then there's, you know, in the contracts, they have likely to, um, well, I forget what the term is, likely to uh, to acquire and, and not likely to acquire kind of thing. Um, how that's all split up changes too. But you wonder if it would actually be better to get some of these smaller, fully guaranteed contracts as opposed to these massive contracts that are mostly fake. In other words, if you look at what's likely to be put into your pocket, the smaller contracts actually more. But you wonder if some of these agents are negotiating some of these, like, just give me the big contract so that it looks a certain way. And I've, I've even heard of, like, players kind of pushing for that. Like, I, I want, I think even, like, with Devontae Adams, it was like, we he wants the DeAndre Hopkins contract. It's like, DeAndre Hopkins' contract was completely fake. But if you want that, we'll give you a fake contract. Like, I, I don't give a crap. I'll, I'll give you $100 million if you want. It's all going to be fake, and you're going to get cut after a couple years. So you're never getting that money. But if that's what you want to get you to stay, then I guess we can try to make that work. But that's just that's just a thing that I've thought about is have there been situations where these agents work sometimes a little bit more for the team than they do for the for the for the player because there's kind of mutual interest between the agent and the team and and they kind of leave out the players so that the agent kind of takes this massive contract and sells it back to the player as though it's a great contract and this is as good as it's going to get, when in reality he knows that he could just negotiate a smaller contract that's a little bit more and the team would probably be fine with that, but it's not in the best interest of the agent. So he goes to the team, says, give me the big money contract, and they're like, okay, well, you know that that's going to be smaller. He's like, I don't give a crap. So then they quote-unquote reset the market with a smaller in-your-pocket contract. And then he goes back and he's like, guess what, bro? I got it. We're resetting the market. Here's a pen. Sign it. I did it, I'm a hero, and then it gets blasted out, like this agent got and did that, and then his goal is, I almost have to assume that that's happening, which has got to be a little bit frustrating, but, you know, unless it's specifically articulated by the player who wants to be more involved, but a lot of times the players are very open about the fact that they don't want to be involved, like I, I pay this guy, he goes and takes care of it, I think if you're a player, you need to be more involved and say, listen, I want to maximize the amount of money that I'm going to make, and, and you know, there are other variables, like I, I, I want to make sure that this is structured in a way in which my career is also safe because I want to be able to make money beyond this. I don't want to have a kind of contract where you have no choice but to cut me after three years. I don't want that. So I want to maximize the actual physical money in my pocket with the most amount of guarantees possible. And I certainly want to leave open the possibility of, of an extension down the line. You guys can work out the details, but I'm telling you what I want. I don't know. I don't know how much of that's going on. Anyway, sorry, got sidetracked. We're thinking here and... We don't talk a lot about that, but maybe the Packers are looking to move on from Devonta Campo because he didn't play yeah. that well this year. I wouldn't be surprised. He's not that. exactly cheap. Um, he's playing pretty good, and he had some some problems 
let's say, um, with hierarchy yeah. this year. So maybe we're looking for a trade to trade him or something if the right offer comes. So, yeah, I want to know. So, well, I'll let you finish the sentence, I guess. Which players do you think that we could trade and that could be some teams that would want them? And how much would you think that that they, they, we can get back in this game? So I think we can take like a third round, maybe a low second round for the boundary. And you know what? I think it's worth it. So want to hear your thoughts. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So I'll be honest, I don't think we could get that for Devondre. Um, I mean, Razul Douglas was significantly more valuable, in my opinion, than Devondre, and we only got a third-round pick for him. And I think that that was really good value, to be honest. I think that's a big part of the reason they jumped on it is because they didn't think they can get a third. So I would be shocked if we get anywhere near a third-round pick for Devondre Campbell. Um, leaving aside his contract, um, again, he, he was a bad football player until he came to Green Bay an 85 PFF grade. The next year it went down to a 75 and then this year down to a 65. And, you know, last year it went down to a 75, but he was like, yeah, but I was injured. And it's like, okay, fair enough. So you, you still played pretty well and you were injured. So there's every reason to believe in a bounce back. And then this year it's like, yeah, but I was injured. Like, bro, you, you can't just say I'm injured and then not play well for two years in a row or, or however, like you everybody's going to get injured. He's also 30 years old. We saw at the end of these games where everybody's jumping up and down and excited and he's got his head hung down low like, bro, I'm so freaking tired. Like he just, his body couldn't quite hang anymore. And that's going to be an issue. And, and it's actually worse than that because if you look at, um, in the first three weeks, he graded out fairly well. He came back weeks eight and nine, played really well. And then he was done. He was cooked for the rest of the year. 10, 11, 13, 14, 15, 18, wild card and divisional no good games at all. Not one. Mostly bad games. And again, there's a lot of injuries mixed in, which could be part of it. But yeah, maybe injuries have something to do with the age. And maybe some of these things are just recurring. Then on top of that, you factor in that he's a pretty vocal guy. And some of the times he's vocal in a way that is not necessarily flattering to the team. And he could be vocal in a way that is not necessarily great for a locker room. And you don't want a guy that's going to have an attitude that's going to start spouting off anti-team stuff that is going to start dragging the team away from you. Because that, those are the kinds of guys you got to get out of the locker room fast. And so I think you're looking at a guy that's, that's going to be 31 years old this year. Um, we saw his best football in 2021. Uh, he went down in 2022, went down again in 2023. Is it possible at 31 years old he has another bounce back? Yes, but I think it's even more likely that we never see that version of Devondre ever again. And so again, you're talking about contract aside, a 31-year-old with a little bit of an attitude that hasn't played his best football in quite a while. What is that worth in a trade? Ugh, not a bunch, not a bunch. And then on top of that, you look at his contract. Um, so the Packers, let's just see real quick. They would have to eat, which is a, a, a big part of the reason why, unless the, co- unless the locker room thing is a very serious problem, he's very likely to stay $11.6 million of his 14.2. Most, most linebackers aren't even getting 11.6 We'd have to pay 11.6 for him to not be here. Now, again, maybe that's going to be worth it. Generally, you don't do that. But if you like the guys behind him, which I think McDuffie is a solid player, I'm sure they're going to be taking at least one swing in the draft. You still got free agency. And as much as it's not great, you're still saving about $3 million, which, you know, 2.6, whatever. It's still something. And you're done, you know, because if you wait until 2025, it's still going to cost you eight. So you got to cut bait sometimes. So in 2025, you could have all of that back. 
But from a team's perspective, as far as a trade, you have to take the, um, you know, at the very least, his $7 million base salary of his contract. Plus, there's three years left on it. So, you, so you're taking $7 million this year, almost eight the next two years. Now, there's probably no guarantees in that. So, you know, you could probably cut them whenever. But I just, I don't know. I don't know that there's a lot of value in this. I don't know that, honestly, he wouldn't just get cut outright. When you take what is his street value minus the contract value, I don't know what's left. I mean, you know, even even $7 million for a linebacker is relatively high. And so the, the question is, if he's not worth $7 million in the market, we get nothing. If he's worth $10 million, then then there's some some meat left on the bone. <laughs> and this is real bad. 2023 over-the-cap over the valuation. In other words, if, if you were to give him a contract, how much would you pay him? $2.9 million. If that's true, we get absolutely nothing for him, and he's going to have to just get cut. Zero people are going to give away draft compensation in order to have the luxury of paying $7 million for a guy that's not even worth three. So that'll be kind of interesting because obviously, again, you've already agreed to the contract. Generally speaking, I don't think you let a guy like this go unless, again, the the two things are in place. Number one, we like what we have behind him. And or number two, we really think he's a problem in the locker room. So it'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that and see what direction they end up going. Hey, Ryan, it's Aaron from Eau Claire. Hey. Um, I uh, was just thinking about how really there's nothing like playoff football. Um, just the fact that it's a one and done makes every game so intense, so um, thrilling and exhilarating, especially in close games. Um, I think, man, I, I think about the game from the other day and how thrilling it was, and then the Kansas City Bills game was also a real thriller last night. Um, and man, honestly, I feel, uh, I kind of feel sick to my stomach for the Bills because I feel like they're another team that just has been so close so many times. Yes. And continues to get their heart broken. And, um, not only in recent history, obviously, but, you know, all the Super Bowls they went to and didn't win back in the day. So yeah, it's, uh, I feel bad for them and I was really, hoping that they could pull the win out um, against Kansas City. Not that I have anything against Kansas City because I overall respect them and like them as a franchise. But I really wanted the Bills to win so so that they could uh, advance. And, oh, just just watching those Bills fans up in the crowd crying, you know, I was just like, man, I get it. Um, so that was that was tough. But, but you know, that's, that's why – the the playoffs in football are so incredibly potent, you know, it's like in baseball and basketball, there's a whole series. So it's the intensity is spread out over several games. Whereas in football, you know, you get one chance. And so the stakes are so much higher, which is why I think that uh, NFL football remains the most popular sport in the country um, because the stakes are, are so much higher than in any other sport. So, anyways, um, just uh, thinking about that, thinking about the Bills, they're they're a little bit of a similar situation as the Packers have been in the sense that they've been they've been good and they've just not been able to get over the hump when it comes down to the playoffs. And oh, it's just sometimes it feels like it's down to a coin flip, you know? Right. Let's say it's is it uh, the toughness of the 
of the teams like the Chiefs, or is it uh, just bad luck at the wrong time for the, the losing team? Um, it's so hard to know. But anyways, just wanted to say that, and uh, let's get ready for the offseason. Yeah, and I know you haven't seen the game yet, at least as of this call, but same with Baltimore, right? I mean, it's just... This has sort of been like, I'm sure some of you are getting tired of me talking about it, but it's become my crusade lately because Packer fans want to talk about how we're cursed so much. And it's like every single team in the entire NFL right now is cursed except the Chiefs. Every single team. And it's like, what if the 49ers win? That's No, it's not different. Because all that means is in that long period of time in which they've been good, they won once. Do the Packers, does that not apply to the Packers? Because I think it does. So you can still be good for a long time, only win it once, and you're still cursed. So if they win it, which I don't think that they will, they're still cursed. Which teams in the entire NFL, aside from the Chiefs, today are not cursed? I mean, are you going to tell me teams that don't make the playoffs aren't cursed? Because give me a curse every day of the week if that's the case. So, I mean, I I get the frustration, but I, I just think there is a notion that it should be a lot easier than it is. And you're right, it really does come down to coin flips sometimes, which is why I kind of switched my tune after that Dallas game to where it's like, we, we really need to try as hard as we can. Because as much as it felt unlikely, it really ultimately wasn't. Not only because they were playing really good football, but because to some degree, it's always going to come down to luck. So let's get lucky. Because next year, we can come back and be the number one team, and it's still going to come down to luck. We might have a better chance, you know, if we come back next year, and the offense is slightly better, and Jordan is still playing at an elite level, and we have this elite defense led by whatever defensive coordinator, like everything's clicking, obviously our chances are going to be a little bit higher. But to pretend that that means we have almost a guarantee is nonsense, because all we would really be would be the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm pretty sure they just got kicked out of the playoffs. I mean, that that was what they were. They were the team to beat. They were this powerhouse offense. They were this, you know completely dominant defense. And where did it go? What happened? Are they cursed or is that just how it goes? I think if we spend more time zooming out and really looking at other teams, we really realize we're not as big of victims as we try to make ourselves out to be. That's not to say we can't be crushed by what we just watched and to be genuinely upset because that's our job as fans. If you genuinely care about the team, it hurts to watch. But the problem is, if we start going down these roads, we start coming to really stupid conclusions. It's where all these, you know, really strong anti-Gudekunst, anti-everybody people come from, is because they draw wrong conclusions based on this victim mentality. We shouldn't be as bad as we are, therefore it must be the GM, it must be the coach, it must be all these things, must be uniquely terrible, because anybody else would have won a bunch of Super Bowls by now. You're wrong. You're just wrong. And the evidence of that is every other football team that's not winning Super Bowls. Well, they didn't have Aaron Rodgers. No, but they have Josh Allen. They have Joe Burrow. They've got Lamar Jackson. They've got, you know, Jalen Hurts, Drew Brees. Dak Prescott was arguably the number one quarterback in football this year. You know, Deshaun Watson, when he was at the top, how many did they win? Oh, zero. Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck. These guys just winning every year. All these quarterbacks just winning every year all the time. Ben Roethlisberger. Just taking down championships every single year? No, no. It's actually only happened like twice in recent history. So freaking enough already. Anyways, let's take our second break. We'll come right back and hear from uh, Jimmy, a.k.a. Aaron number two. 
Yo, it's Jimmy. What up? Uh, I wanted to um, relieve a message that got uh, lost in the shuffle a little while ago. Um, but this is kind of an evergreen thought, which we can now focus our attention on now that we're in the off season. Whenever we get to this one, um, but I feel like, um, like with with Rogers, that window was closing, right? The window was closing, and now I feel with love, the window's wide open. And the metaphor I keep thinking about is like when a bird gets in your house and it's trying to fly back out the window, but it can't quite get there, and it keeps banging its head against the window. Uh, Rogers was that bird, you know, well, that bird for our bird for a while was Rogers and the window is getting like the, the, the window is going down, you know, <laughs> getting, uh, the opening was getting more and more narrow. So the, uh, ability to fit through that little window was getting tougher. He was banging his head against it. But now you got a new bird and it's the windows wide open. And now he's just got a, he's, you know, he's had one attempt so far. Right. Just, just barely missed it. Just kind of almost got under that. Under the window there, but he just just knocked into a little bit. So next next year, you know, um, it'll be nice thing is just as wide open as it is now. Maybe even a little bit more, depending on who we bring in. Right. Um, and and he'll even have a better chance of getting right out that window and soaring, soaring out to freedom, to the <laughs> to the promised land of an off season of of celebration. Uh, anyway, uh, that that's my vision for the future. Go pack, go. Well, yeah, and, and that's why there's so much more optimism about everything. Um, and that's why it was getting to be so painful down the stretch for Rodgers, because you realize, like, we're only going to get so many attempts. And you also realize, like, after most of these years, you look at it and go, I don't know really how to make this better. And you say, well, the defense could do better. Right, but the defense didn't lose. You know, you're looking at, like, the number one offense in football. They get into the, the playoffs, and they, the offense can't do anything. How do I improve on this? What am I supposed to do? We look at this year, and it's like, I mean, first of all, we should have won that game, and then we very likely would have beat the Lions. Now, maybe we can't beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but that's freaking crazy. It's hard to imagine that this is Jordan Love's best year of his career, although it's almost hard to imagine that it's not at the same time. It's hard to imagine this is the best offense he's going to play with because he's got a, a, a jumble of guys that you know they've never worked together. It's hard to imagine this is the best Matt LaFleur can do because he's is just trying to figure it out on the fly. It's hard to imagine this is the best defense he's going to play with, considering we just fired Joe Barry. We're going to be bringing in some new people. We're going to be trying to make that work a little bit better. It's hard to imagine uh, this is the best special teams he's played with, because good Lord. So it's like, we're going to get a lot of different swings, and you have to assume they're going to be better. It's exciting. I don't know if it is. Well, we, Who knows? But yeah, there there is um, you know, just every reason to be optimistic about everything regarding the Packers. Ryan, what's up? Kyle what's up? from Madison. How are you? Good. Had an exciting weekend of football, a little bit too freaking exciting Saturday. But uh, here we are on Monday. Season's over. As is all but four team seasons. And uh, I guess I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting, starting to get to that place of like, I'm still, when I close my eyes at night, I'm, see, I'm seeing all these missed opportunities, man. And there were so many. Sure. It just hurts me. Um, but I'm very much like a 50-50, like one of those yin and yang looking, looking things where I embrace all the amazing stuff that happened even in the Niners game and then all year or the second half of the year, especially. But we had some moments. I mean, really that Saints comeback <clears throat> that the Packers offense authored was the difference of us even getting into the playoffs. 
if you recall, because the Saints had the same record with us at the end of the year, and it was that game that got us in. So there was some early season highlights, some low life midseason, but what an amazing season. I mean, I don't think there's there's any doubt. I mean, if you're if you're not impressed now, I don't know. You know, obviously it's going to end not great for all but one team. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, but boy, was that game there for them. You know, if they just get any freaking points on any of those last four drives, we've been to game. Right. And they had been doing that for the last five weeks. So it's just like I said the other night, it's this cruel mistress being an NFL fan. The one thing that I've been wondering about when we get your take on is with our kicker. Um, I'm wondering going forward, I'm sure there's a huge group of people who say just cut them out right, whatever. I don't know that that's the answer, but I'm also worried now that Gutekunz is going to hang on. He's going to hope and pray that he is his brother, the other Carlson brother that struggled in his first year and then mm-hmm. became a great kicker. And I, what if he's not? You know, um, we've paid quite a cost in, in having this rookie kicker on the roster this year, and that's not to say that veteran kickers don't miss kicks because they certainly can. But I think in Brian Gutekunst's eyes, he will view that as, you know, paying the paying the bill to keep a rookie kicker all year in hopes that he's going to have an improved season his second year. I hope that, too. My concern is just that now that there has been a tax, a kicker, rookie kicker tax excised on us that cost us a game, will we hang on way beyond the point of reasonable amount of time? Conversely, if we just cut him right away in camp, I'm going to be pissed off. Why not sign somebody else during a season who can make, you know, 50-yarders? So anyway, just watch your thoughts, Keith. Yeah, so I, I really don't think the Packers are going to hold on too long. Um, I, I think for some people we already have, but I, I think that really just comes down to a misconception of the Packers coming into this, which is that, and and, and this has been tried to be explained from me and a lot of other people that an investment in a guy like Andres Carlson is not about week one, who's the absolute best kicker we can possibly have out there. If that was the case, you would never draft a kicker. That's stupid. There's a lot of veterans floating around out there that can probably do better than rookie. All of this stuff, every draft pick and undrafted guy is about the future. It's about development. And yes, some of them pan out and that's great. But from the standpoint of the Green Bay Packers, it's less about um, how good are they going to be in 2023 and more about how good are they going to be in 2025? And you, before you say that that's stupid, it's not. Because they're going to be beyond 2023 for the vast majority of their career. So if, if you peak your rookie year because you're coming into this already just as the best, then that kind of sucks compared to somebody who starts off a little lower and then ex- ascends beyond that and ends up being good for... I don't know, 15 years as a kicker. And I'm not saying that's what Anders Carlson is going to be. What I'm saying is there was there's seemingly a misunderstanding about the situation. Um, and that is that this is going to be an investment. We looked at the statistics. And I, like I said, I don't understand it from the standpoint of the st- statistics because the statistics don't make sense. There are better statistical kickers. But even if that was the, it's not even a Packers thing because I can go into PFF right now and I can tell you all the kickers with really high field goal percentages that didn't get drafted and aren't even in the NFL. There's a lot of them. 
but yet guys with lower percentages get drafted, not just by the Packers, but by other teams and, and kickers that go ahead of them because they're not just looking at field goal percentage. They're looking at other things, and I don't know what those things are, but they do, and they're looking at it, and they're going out of their way to find out what it takes. Now, again, what I said with honors is there is going to be a point at which clearly you just don't have it, and that's everybody, right? We're willing to be patient and develop, and maybe there was some hope, although I doubt it with honors, because again, his field goal percentages and extra points and all that, like it wasn't very good. So I don't think the expectation was he's going to be an elite rookie. The question is, is he going to develop into the guy that we think he's going to develop into? And we don't have that answer yet because it's only been a year. Now, sometimes guys do get cut really early, and that's pretty rare, but sometimes it does happen. Whether it's, you know, they come in, they got a bad attitude, a bad work ethic, or you're, you're trying to get the best out of them and you're realizing that there's just nothing here to work with. But that's unbelievably rare. Generally, they're going to put in everything they can to try to see if they can get you to reach your maximum potential. And then when they feel like they've got your max potential and it's not good enough, then it's time to go. Like you're just not growing. And that can come as early as next year. I don't know. But I don't think it's going to be sort of an ill-advised thing. That is to say they're doing it because he's just too prideful and he doesn't want to let go of his pick and he's just being stupid. And no, I I think that that's short-sighted because again, the goal was never to have an elite 2023 kicker. The goal is to find the next Mason Crosby who can kick for you for 15 years or however long Mason kicked. I think it was even longer than that. It was a long freaking time. It's worth the investment, even if it even if it costs you a year like it did with Mason. Right. He wasn't very good early on. They waited. They were patient and it paid off. Again, that doesn't mean that's going to happen with Anders Carlson, but it's just a matter of understanding what the goal is. And then once you recognize that, then we're not sitting here going, this doesn't make any sense because it does make sense. It's just a matter of I hope you were right. Because so far, it's not looking good. And that's a completely fair statement to make, right? I I get what you're trying to do. It's looking a little shaky right now. And to be fair, that's 100% true about Jordan Love as well, right? He's coming in and people are mocking his footwork and everything else. And it's like, he's not making the stupid little basket things. And then he comes out against the Chiefs and it's awful. And it's like, bro, like, I get it. This this is going to take time to develop, but this is looking ugly right now. And they could have traded him. There were opportunities and people were even talking about it. Trade him away, get rid of him. Get what you can while you can. And they said, nope, we're going to stick by our guns. We're going to continue to develop him because we still think he can be that dude. Paid off. So, you know, again, I don't know when that's going to happen because I don't know their perception. They might be looking at it and going, we thought he did some really good stuff. We just got to tweak a couple things and dude, he's going to be amazing. Or they might be looking at him going, dude, this sucks. (laughs) And we really thought he was going to develop better than that. And um, I'm kind of at my limit with this guy, which means he might not even win in camp next year. But that's sort of the question is, where do they stand on this? And I don't know the answer to that. And that's sort of where that range comes in is, is like, how are they feeling about his development right now? Because I, I don't know that answer. And that's kind of where you start to kind of listen to the press conferences and see if you get any little nuggets about, you know, either we're really happy with where he's at and, and some of the growth and, and, you know, we're really excited about his future. Those are the kinds of things you say about guys that they genuinely still believe in, right? That's not just general coach speak. And I think that's more or less the way that they've been talking about him. And it might not be 100%, but it's just, it's worth trying to listen to to kind of get a gauge on where they're at so that we can try to project, like, you know, could this be another rough year that we're just going to have to ride out? Or, you know, what's going on here? And you can also watch for things like, how seriously are they bringing in guys? Like, are they just, like that guy we brought in who's, I have no idea who he is, not good stats, you know. You get like two of those guys to compete with honors, or is it like we're bringing in legit guys and we're bringing in like one of the top undrafted free agent kickers and you know if you start seeing that stuff it's like oh this is pretty serious now 
you know, like one of the top undrafted kickers and a veteran that's pretty, that's had a really good career competing with Anders. That's, uh, that's like a, either you prove it right now or we're, we're actually moving on. And maybe they start looking at that because they, they're looking at it saying, dude, we, we got a serious shot at winning this thing and I don't want it to come down to a kicker. So you demonstrate that you've developed like rapidly or we're moving on, which uh, again, I don't have any issue with that. Because there does need to be a limit on development, especially for guys that, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're a quarterback sitting on the bench, okay, we have time. If you're a defensive tackle, that's like numbers four or five on the depth chart. Like, okay, we'd like some rapid development, but if not, like, I guess we can be a little bit patient. You're our only kicker. You are the kicker. And I don't really want to get bounced from the playoffs two years in a row. Granted, I don't think it was 100% his fault, but still, I don't want to have a really good football team, especially like what if we get the defense humming and the offense is real good. This cannot come down to you being the weak link. But again, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would hope by next year they really elevate their standards. But again, the other, the other thing is, it's like I said when I looked at it, it really is mostly the extra points. I don't know why I put the weird inflection in the, the weird spot, but I don't know why that is. But that definitely seems like something that we identify what the problem is. We give you the off season to fix it. We check in next year. And if you still suck and are shanking extra points, you're gone. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it. I mean, we, we if it, like if I can't identify the problem, and, and it's also weird because he doesn't miss field goals from that range. So is he just like getting the yips? Like he's, he's just kind of nervous about it just because it's an extra point or I don't know. I don't know. But the bottom line is, especially with how good this team is looking, I can't imagine that they're going to hang on a little bit too long for a kicker. Um, You get a little bit more leash because you were drafted and there's higher expectations, but uh. Yeah, not 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 too much more. I, I I would hope that their standard is we need to see something much better this year. Hey Ryan, Trevor, Virginia. Hey, I'm over my depression oh, the off season. Uh-huh. So, um, I've been making a list of off season content for you. Um, Thank you. So I have a few. I'm gonna go through here now. Um, for starters, I want to go over the fact that in our in that game, Aaron Jones, uh. Missed the pitch, was a negative 11 yard run on that, and he still had over 100 yards and over six yards per carry. Like, what if what if he catches that pitch and uh, you know that play doesn't happen? Um, not only for the game, but then you know it's for his, like Aaron Jones just played out of his mind in the season. Um, and I just I really think we need to bring him back. You know, obviously we want to get the cap number down. I think Aaron Jones is reasonable. He understands the running back market from the comments he's made. He already took the pay cut a few times. You know, I think we cut him down to still be among the top. He's going to take it and stay. Um, the question is, who's going to be with him? Uh, some people have linked Derrick Henry because of Matt LaFleur, which he seems his comments, you know, he wants to win the Super Bowl. Um, so if Derrick Henry would take, you know, somewhat of a friendly deal, let A.J. Dillon go. I'm sorry. I know Henry's getting older, but still, yeah, to have that combo of him with uh, Jones, I think, would be would be great. Um, so that's just the first thing. Um, and then another thing, uh, in the Cowboys game, it was the first time I heard it mentioned by Troy Aikman that in goal-to-go situations, I believe he said in the regular season we were 19 of 20, which is unbelievable. Um, obviously, that got hurt in the Niners game, which I think is the difference in the game, that we didn't execute in those situations. Right. But, you know, I've never heard anybody mention that stat all year, which I guess goal-to-go is kind of a unique stat, but I don't know. It's not that unique, you know, red zone, goal-to-go. You're talking about a 10-yard difference, and um, that's just – I didn't realize how good we were in those situations throughout the year. Um, third thing for now, save the rest for later. Um, I just was wondering where LaFleur and Goody's contracts are through. I, I could look it up, I know, but I haven't. Um, 
I wonder what year their contracts expire. Um, I I think we should give them all extensions this off season. Um, I think they want to see it with love at the helm, and I think we've seen it. I mean, I'd like to see them locked up for the next five years. You know, maybe maybe even just through 2030. You know, the future is bright with them at the helm. I think so. I I, I don't see any reason why we don't extend them and lock them up. Uh, so anyway, I'll be here all off season with you, even if other people drop out. Go back, go. Yeah, and I, I had mentioned, obviously, I, I didn't know that specific stat, if that's even what was said or what's true. I don't know. I wouldn't even know exactly where to find that stat. You feel like, I, I agree, it should be something that would be readily available to find, but it's all, you know, red zone. But I had mentioned how really great of a job they had done and how critically important that was, right? I mean, again, the difference between, for example, 2020 and 2022 was the massive difference in that category, right? 2020, they were the number one red zone team. And they were the number one offense. 2022, they sucked at scoring when they were in scoring range. And obviously the offense as a whole was, was, you know, understandably not very good. As far as the contracts, that is actually kind of interesting. What I'm seeing here is that um, he got a four-year... And this stuff I don't think is necessarily as readily available, for example, as the... Um, as the players' contracts. Like, there isn't just some website where I can look it up. So I don't know exactly how, like, the whole Joe Barry thing. It's like, well, he he had a three-year contract and that's up. Well, apparently that's not true. Well, can anybody look it up? No, because it's just not available anywhere. But supposedly he signed a four-year, $20 million contract. And you say, well, that doesn't make sense because that would be up. Well, yeah, because that's what happened in 2022. So Rob Domofsky wrote an article, and even in the article it says they quietly reached contract extensions because... You know, this again, this is not some big public thing like it is with players. But he wrote in 2022, Green Bay Packers extend contracts of head coach Matt LaFleur, general manager Brian Gutekunst, executive VP Russ Ball, source says. So all three of those guys who are critically important to the franchise got extensions. Supposedly, it was a four year for Matt LaFleur, which would mean he's completed two years of his four years. The paragraph a little bit further down says uh, Packers president Mark Murphy would not confirm the extensions earlier Monday, but said, I'll just say I'm confident not only Matt and Brian, but Russ Ball will continue to be Packers employees for years to come. And apparently they were nearing the ends of their deals. I think it says that. Um, so in 2022, it was the last year of Brian Gutekunst's contract. So he needed to do that. Uh, Lafleur had signed a four year contract with a fifth year option, which is hilarious. And Ball had been with the Packers since 2008 but was promoted to his current role, which includes managing the salary cap in 2018. So he was nearing the end of his deal. So they all got deals in 2022. So I don't know if they're going to get another contract. Even if they're like four-year deals, you would think it's kind of a next year thing, maybe, at the earliest. But with all that said, I think you're right. I I think that the team, as early as is humanly possible, is going to be, and again, I would guess that's probably next offseason. Because that will be, assuming they're four-year deals, and I have no idea if they are. Again, I think they said uh, Gutekunst had a five-year deal, so it might not even be for him. And they let that go until the final year. But at the earliest, by next year, they're going to be looking to um, maybe extend. And, and, and part of the reason for that might be just, as you pointed out, how, number one, how good of a job they've done these last couple of years. So since 2022, when they signed their contracts, what have we seen? I mean, look at Brian Gutekunst's draft classes in 2022 and 2023. Look at the job Matt LaFleur did in 2023 with Jordan Love and the development of Jordan Love and wanting to keep that cohesion there and everything else. I would think before it's even hitting anybody's thought process of possibly moving on, which I don't know, Matt LaFleur would have nowhere to go. Gutekunst wouldn't really have anywhere to go, but possibly Russ Ball. I'm sure he's going to have opportunities to um, 
to be a GM. So they're they're going to try to make him as as high up of a person that isn't a GM as is humanly possible. Like basically co GMs with Brian Gutekunst with uh, pretty comparable pay. But anyways, um, something to keep an eye on probably next year at the earliest would be my guess. But who knows? Maybe they'll announce something this year because again, I I don't even know what the contracts were at the time. But it sounds like they get about five-year deals. Because, again, even even Matt LaFleur's was a four-year with a fifth-year option, apparently. So, um, I don't know. That'll probably be a little bit. I tried to make this one go a little bit longer so we can get a little bit caught up on these calls. We still have a ton to get through. But, uh, you know, hour and ten into this, we'll probably, probably call it. But you guys have a good rest of your night. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 